Hey, hey, how are you? It's Lindsay. Happy New Year by the time this comes out. I typically record on Thursdays. I, I hope you had a wonderful night, whether you slept through it or drank your ass off. Welcome to 2021. This is Lindsay, your host. You are listening to Life Through a Distorted Lens. Wow, I'm on episode 12 now. Look at me go. So this episode is going to be, uh, I'm going to be discussing biology, science, women's truths of being silenced, and psychopathy and the origins of totalitarianism. Oh boy, strap yourself on in. It's going to be a bumpy one as usual. So I'm just literally going to dive into uh, some science here. My goodness, this is stuff that I haven't thought about in years, but... Um, because it's very important to note that gender and sex are definitely not the same thing. Like, number numero uno. They are separate. Let me dive right into it. This is from a YouTube video uh, where the title is Why Sex is Binary. Uh, let's see here. This is a statement from developmental biologist Dr. Emma Hilton and evolutionary biologist Dr. Colin Wright. 99.98% of births are male or female. The evolutionary function of these two anatomies is to aid in reproduction via the fusion of sperm and ova. No third type of sex cell exists in humans, and therefore, there is no sex spectrum or additional sexes beyond male and female. Sex is binary. So, the sex differences between males and females are as follows. Chromosomes, gene expression, gonadal tissue, hormone production, genital morphology, height, weight, voice pitch, muscle mass, God, I keep saying mash there. It's the second time I'm saying this. Muscle mass, bone density, and more. Sex is defined by the gamete your anatomy is organized to produce. Two gamete types, two sexes. Not everyone needs to be discreetly assignable to one or the other sex in order for biological sex to be functionally binary. To assume otherwise, to confuse secondary sexual traits with biological sex itself, is a category error. Gametes are always male or female. There is no in-between. Is there any more to say, really? So uh, I had to clarify that last one there. Not everyone needs to be discreetly assignable to one or the other sex in order for biological sex to be functionally binary. So some, like for example, men can be born with kind of having what looks like breasts, like feminine breasts. That doesn't mean they're a female. So to confuse secondary sexual traits with biology itself is a category error. That doesn't mean this person is a female. Um, you know, maybe a female is born really tall, which is typically a male trait. I mean, not always, but that's not, that doesn't make them a male. Um, so yeah, I just really wanted to cover these <laughs> scientific, biological <laughs> facts here, uh, because I think there's just been some immense confusion. And if you don't believe anything I just said, then I don't even know why you're listening, number one, which actually, no, I welcome that. I'm not saying go away. Um, unless you harass me and call me names and you don't even listen to what's going on. And if you don't believe, here's the thing. I can't have an, a discussion with you if you don't believe what I just said and what I'm not even I didn't even say that this is science. All right. If you don't agree with science, this is where people make the mistake of even starting a debate or talking with one another. I mean, you absolutely can. But what is the sense in someone having a discussion or a debate if you guys aren't even debating about the same premise? 
I think that is like the biggest issue I see with these, you know, online battles or even me talking to my uh, now probably ex-best friend. I'm like, I don't, I need to know if you believe this, if you believe science, um, because, you know, if you do, then the things that you're standing up for and advocating for just don't make sense and are debunkable. So, yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, sex and gender are not the same. They are not, excuse me, they are not, I was going to say synonymous, which is the same thing. They are not synonyms, and we must not conflate them. People with disorders of sexual development, commonly called intersex conditions, are either one sex or the other. So, these are great questions I saw in, um, on an over it post about, uh, it's like the third post they made about peak trans and I think I may have talked about peak trans. Um, basically is like when you realize that this trans agenda is not advocating, like you just kind of, you saw through the bullshit. So on the post, cause they were asking people to come through with their stories if they could, because, uh, the, uh, what a subreddit is that? I think gender critical. Yeah, the gender critical subreddit got deleted, uh, removed from Reddit because Reddit is mostly males. So they're trying to kind of recreate, um, not really recreate because it's, they're trying to have the people say the same stories so we can have a space where people can read these stories and think one thing or another, which, you know, hopefully these help people also, uh, you know, quote, peak trans. I thought these questions were wonderful. wonderful. So, uh, yeah, number one. Can woman, quote, woman be just an identity divorced from biology? Can penises be female? Can men give birth? Do trans women really have periods? Next one. Is it fair for males to compete with girls and women in women's sports? Is it? These are things that, you know, if you find yourself in a, what is this person thinking? I, they're wonderful questions to really you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and change people's minds because that's really pointless. Um, um, it just is because of the people that have, you know, drank the Kool-Aid or woke, they're wokeified, um, and have been manipulated. I, it's kind of pointless, like trying to help them see the way. I really believe it's kind of something they have to come to terms with themselves because, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I've seen it with the, you know, some of my friends and other people. They're just so very headstrong in this ideology that um, just don't waste your time, really. It becomes really um, heartbreaking, at least for me, to um, try to talk sense to them. And uh, it sucks, dude. Anyways, next one. Should people be forced to accept that trans women are women and be compelled to say so? Should people really be censored for disagreeing or saying anything contrary about it? Next question. Should women be called, quote, cis women, C-I-S, even when they don't identify with sexist gender roles just because they aren't trans? Doesn't the claim that gender is some kind of natural, inborn psychological phenomenon contradict decades of feminists saying gender is a limiting social construct that is forced on us by society? Yeah, I refuse to do that, uh, even calling myself, a, me as a cis woman, I'm a, I'm a woman. Like, there's no, like, cis thing. Like, I'm a woman. There's no, I'm not going to play that game of theirs where 
I even start using their terminology they've made it, which is CIS, that cis thing is what the transgender movement has um, created. That's not a real term, so I'm not going to start citing that as if I'm a special person or at this point, you know, cis people. Uh, I'm only saying that so you understand where I'm going here. Cis, quote, cis people are looked at as like inferior. Um, it's kind of one of those things that I uh, didn't think I would be talking about, but it's... So I think I've said this said ever since I heard about, I don't know, just when I started this whole journey of researching all this transgender uh, movement and feminism and just uh, history of all this stuff, um, I just noticed these trends and vibes with all of it. And um, I've, yeah, I've noticed that they, they, there's this underlying tone about cis people being like inferior and that we need to like correct ourselves or look beyond that and you know like question your gender like no anywho next one should girls who don't like dolls or dresses be treated with double mastectomies and lifelong hormones should we be cavalier about prescribing puberty blockers to children when they can cause lifelong health problems next one should women be shamed as trans exclusionary for talking about our reproductive health and anatomy <laughs> uh, next one is it acceptable for lesbians to be bullied for not wanting to have relationships with trans women which let me remind you is a uh, trans identifying male um you know a biological sex you know their sex is male uh doesn't the struggle against the cotton ceiling contradict everything we've been saying about enthusiastic consent and rape culture the whole cotton ceiling thing is a disgusting premise that the trans the uh, trans identifying males have to find ways to sleep with lesbians i wish i was kidding this is like this is all out there um publicly like this is these are topics that trans activists openly talk about on twitter you know if i mean because i know you can look up the cotton ceiling and be like well who wrote this article or whatever you know remain skeptical i mean i'm the biggest skeptic but there's no i mean go to twitter like that's ah jesus it's all out there, man. All right, next one. Should women be denied the option of not seeing a penis in a women's shower room? Yeah. Is it really transphobia that makes women alarmed at seeing males in women-only spaces? Is it actually transphobic for women to not want trans women in women-only rape crisis centers, domestic violence shelters, or prisons? I'm going to rephrase that because it's, uh, I don't like... Just like this right here, back to back, looks and sounds incredibly confusing. Um, transphobic for women to not want trans women and women. Because it's like, even this is like the whole twisting language right here for me. And even hearing what I'm saying here is fucking with the term what a woman is. So I'm going to change trans woman to trans identifying male. So this has helped me personally to speak. I I'm kind of, I'm not using the transgender woman anymore because I'm not allowing the males to claim what is biologically females to be that's what females is like that's our term we're women so I'm not going to play that transgender woman because that's already uh like admitting and submitting to their ideology and I'm not doing that I think trans identifying male is much more um clear because 
it it keeps the sex of the human at the forefront of the language and the sentence. And I honestly think that's incredibly important. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I just think that playing these word games and yeah, just playing these word games is incredibly dangerous and incredibly confusing. So let me read that again. Is it actually transphobic for women to not want trans identifying males in women only rape crisis centers, domestic violence shelters or prisons? Write in and tell me if you think um, one or the, which one sounded better to you or make a uh, leave a comment on my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash distorted lens. <laughs> distorted uh, dash lens. It's going to be all these links are my show notes as usual. And last one is should women never be allowed to exclude males from any women's spaces, groups or events? Are people who disagree with what trans activists say really all quote trans exclusionary radical feminists or TERFs? Even when they aren't feminist or trans-exclusionary? I thought those questions were fantastic. Um, yeah, they're great. They're just really uh, confronting, honest questions that, um, you know, if you want to question your friends that don't believe in biology and are for the transgender movement, they're just great questions. Let's see. So I'm going to move on to a article that James Lindsay wrote titled Psychopathy and the Origins of Totalitarianism." So, uh, let's see. Psychopathic. Sorry, just because earlier I was like, how do you say this? I know how to say some of these words, but some of these words are a little bit new to me. Because I'm like, psychopathy? What? Psychopathy. Because I've always said, I know what psych- psychopath is and whatever. Anywho, I digress. Psychopathic is suffering from a cons- suffering from or constituting a chronic mental disorder with abnormal or violent social behavior. A psychopathic disorder. Synonyms are severely mentally ill and mentally ill. Let's see. So James wrote this whole thing about the whole... Tra- it's in line with the woke transgender uh, movement. So bear with me here. Um they will attract and channel the vision of like-minded psychopathic opportunists, also known as grifters, a person who engages in petty or small-scale swindling. These grifters will form the core of the developing party. They will also degrade the mental and emotional state of anyone who comes in contact with the ideology for or against it. These are, these are things I want you to look out for, uh, by the way. This is me butting in and saying this. Um, this article is wonderful. And again, it'll be in my show notes, the link. Um, I tried to kind of make it more palatable for the average human to read. So I changed some of his words. They're the same. Um, it's like the the words I change are basically synonyms that are easier to understand. Next one is, uh, this is done through demoralizing in a variety of forms, including ostracizing, dialectical trapping, and the highly useful tactic of employing reverse blockades, which obliterate anyone's ability to know the truth about reality by forcing distortions from pseudo-reality upon them. What is pseudo-reality? First of all, the definition of pseudo is supposed or purporting to be, but not really so. In other words, false or not genuine, a.k.a. resembling or imitating. Uh this prevents their mind traveling. This is basically, I hope you're following along here. I know I jumped right into it, but imagine you're being manipulated by this ideology. 
whether it's uh, BLM or uh, wokeism or the transgender movement thing. This prevents their mind traveling back towards sanity and out of the clutches of the pseudo-reality and its paralogic and paramorality. So I looked up uh, what exactly paralogic and paramorality is, and it's quite simple. Paralogic definition is relating to a form of reasoning which does not conform to the rules of logic. Uh, This is used in a sentence. Uh, These, here's a sentence right here, quote, these thought forms belong to a paralogical world of symbol and fantasy, end quote. And paramorality, as you can guess, means relating to a form of morals which does not conform to the rules of moral standards. I hope you understand what what that means. Uh, Paralogic is, it sounds like reasoning, but it does not conform to the rules of logic. This, again, is very blatantly clear to me when I read this article. It's fantastic. It was long, but very worth it. That they, their whole premise and ideology is grasped from ideas um and just made up shit (laughs) um yeah it's just it's their reasoning when you speak to them you realize it's just like it's, it's impossible to have a conversation with them because they don't conform to rules of literal logic because they're living in a fantasy land uh i'm not making this up i'm not even saying that to be insulting this that is the reality this is like wordplay, but not really. What I mean by that is that I live in reality. I live in biological reality. I live in scientific reality. I live in factual reality. And the transgender movement is fantasy, not biological. My feels, quote, my feelings. I have feelings. I feel like a woman. I feel like a man. Why the fuck are we creating laws around feelings? Motherfucker. Okay, next one. Um, that's not even next one. It's just continue. I kind of split my notes into um, either bullet points or numbers. So I need to stop saying like next one. Uh, I should just say continue. These tend to result in people not being just listen like this. I know this is probably hard to understand probably because I, I keep cutting off what I'm saying, but I'll read slower. So maybe this would be easier to uh, comprehend. These tend to result in people not being able to discern what is true any longer and to assume the truth, whether material or moral, must be somewhere in between where they were before and the pseudo-real assertion being forced upon them. So I take that as uh, this ideology kind of meshes with uh, your beliefs that you had before, but It's like Play-Doh. You know, when you put two Play-Doh colors together, it winds up looking like shit. Enough said. I continue on. Or actually, James continues on. One will immediately notice that this necessarily moves the target further away from reality, as the new position will be some blend of the person's former belief and an assertion out of pseudo-reality. One will also notice that it is a manipulation when paramoral, excuse me, when paramoralizing, woof, paramoralizing, Jesus Christ, when paramoralizing is involved, it is a coercive one to the benefit of the psychopathic ideology. Yeah. TLD, or in, AKA, the manipulation works in the benefit of the pseudo reality uh, believers. Again, pseudo means, let's scroll up. Pseudo is purporting to be. Excuse me. Supposed or purporting to be, but not really so. (laughs) What a great definition. In other words, false and not genuine. 
In other words, it resembles reality or it's imitating. That's what pseudo-reality means. What? Uh, Because I was looking at the word resembling. That's what pseudo-reality is. Shut up, Norton antivirus. No one cares. Uh, Let's see here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Most, like, continue, or as, like I said, James, uh, well, me, because James and I, okay, jeez. Most concerningly, psychopathic ideologies reliably generate temporary but functional psychopathy and and otherwise normal people who, by means of these manipulations, become convicted fellow believers and sympathizers to the ideology. Yeah, they morph normal people into, they morph and manipulate humans to be believers. Hmm, sounds like a cult? Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know why I defined it here because I should have put it up there. But anyways, psychopathy definition is sometimes considered synonymous with sociopathy. Socio- so- so- oh, Jesus Christ. So- so- socio- whatever. Sociopathy <laughs> is traditionally a personality disorder characterized by persistent antisocial behavior, impaired empathy and remorse, and bold, disinhibited, and egotistical traits. Hello, huge. Um, sociopathy is also antisocial personality disorder, ASPD or APD, is a personality disorder characterized by a long-term pattern of disregard for or violation of the rights of others. A low moral sense or conscience is often apparent, as well as a history of crime, legal problem, problems, or impulsive and aggressive behavior. Hello. Some of these things are just like massive puzzle pieces that are just so eye-opening to me i'm like oh god i I, it just makes so much more sense once you realize that it's um it's a it's a disorder these are disorders people have and rules and laws are being made to favor someone's mental illness and disorder what the hell um let's see so continuing quite literally aside from the direct effects of demoralization and destabilization caused by the growing drift of their beliefs away from reality and toward unreality, pseudo-reality, a psychopathic ideology makes its sympathizers believe and act in psychopathic ways themselves, at least in a functional sense. These are the demands and costs of upholding the paralogic so as not to be a fool in pseudo-reality and paramorality so as not to be the wrong kind of person in pseudo-reality. And slowly these victims of the ideology become the monsters they were too weak to fight. Oh my god. I was like, holy shit, yes. Fucking yes. Slowly these victims, I'm going to read it again. Slowly these victims of the ideology become the monsters they were too weak to fight. Huge. Continuing, as noted previously, virtues like tolerance and empathy are intentionally perverted until they begin to branch off so that they carry a duo political power structure. Paramorality good, morality bad that increasingly favors a pseudo-real ideology and becomes legitimately psychopathic as the effect strengthens. Cats are going bananas. Christ. Lord Jesus. Okay. Uh, Oh, gosh. This was an article um, that was about James Shoup. He is a... uh, Formerly Jamie... 
He's retired from the Army with the rank of Sergeant First Class. He previously identified as transgender and was the first American to obtain non-binary status under law. Fascinating article, by the way. Um, I took little snippets from it, and here we go. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, says one of the traits of, dis- of gender dysphoria is believing that you possess the stereotypical feelings of the opposite sex. Uh, James goes on to write, After having watched pornography for years while in the army and being married to a woman who resisted my demands to become the ideal female, I became that female instead, at least in my head. A Pennsylvania judge didn't question the name change either. Wanting to help a transgender person, she not had not only changed my name, but at my request, she also sealed the court order, allowing me to skip out on a ton of debt I owed because of a failed home purchase and begin my new life as a woman. Instead of merging my file, two of the three credit bureaus issued me a brand new line of credit. Okay, so that whole article was pretty long and complicated about how he changed his name, went from attempting to be a female for three or more years and realized that, you know, he believed that whole transgender um, idea, idea that you can become the opposite sex. And he realized that that's not possible because he looked in the mirror and was like, I'm still a dude. I'm still a male. Um, so, you know, he was the first recognized non-binary human uh, in the United States. Eleven states had followed suit after that. What was interesting is that the judge that uh, allowed him to change his sex, like legally, had a transgender child. Um, and he wrote in the article that he definitely thinks that that was her decision. The judge's decision was to also further help out the um, transition or gender change of their own child. Um, it's a wonderful article. This person was very honest about their life. Um, I will definitely have that in my show note links and I would dissect it more, but there are other things I wrote for this podcast or wrote and also, um, took as, you know, articles to to discuss that are, um, more important to me, I guess. That's still important, but I digress. Side note, biological sex is immutable, which means you can't change it. Um, I've noticed that some D-trans humans will often associate or jump over to identify with a non-binary term as it seems to be an easier transition from, tr- quote, trans-identifying male or trans-identifying female, um, you know, because they're leaving a, like a, a cult and a group that they thought was their family. Um, and it's horrifying because they've seen, oh, Christ, that's loud. Oof. Oh my God, that was horrible. My mom's trying to call me while I'm recording and the ringtone is going in for anyways on my Mac. That was fucking loud. Um, yeah, I feel like they identify, they say, so, so, so say there's a transgender female. I know I said, I'm not gonna say that, but here I am. Say there's a trans, transgender female that is like, oh God, I'm not, I'm not a female. I, I want to go back to being a man or a male. So it becomes easier to then call themselves non-binary because that's still accepted in the transgender realm where I think um, it's my belief that it's not a red flag to those activists. So I've seen this time and again, multiple stories I've read and listened to from detransitioners that have gone from identifying as the opposite sex and then identifying as non-binary, which means you identify with neither, and then transitioning, if they do, back to their original, you know, sex that they're born with 
it makes sense to me. Like that makes total sense. It's just a gradual, easier shift. Um, yeah. So I'm going to start reading from an article titled Thistle Peterson, how I became the most hated folk singer in Madison. Um, this one was pretty long, so bear with me, but I think it's important because it shows how this woman just got dealt, um, abuse and just flat out lies and slander, um, for stating biology. So, um, there's a little bullet point. Trans rights are not really about supporting a marginalized population, but about undermining the rights of girls and women and bullying people into accepting transgender ideology. Some people come to their, quote, peak trans moment after realizing gender identity legis legislation allows males to be in women's prisons, locker rooms, and homeless shelters. For others, it may be seeing a man win a weightlifting competition in the women's division or a professional bike race. That's me butting in there and saying that. Uh, some may have had enough after learning about the case of Dana Rivers, a trans-identified man who murdered a lesbian couple and their adopted son in 2016. This was in, uh, was in California, by the way. Yet was referred to as a woman in media and police accounts, thus skewing violent crime statistics. That, see, that this is also a point I want to make. I'm going to put in here and say, when we, when those, when the transgender people play around with their terms and what they, what they identify as, it messes with statistics and like historical percentages and it, I, that's just dangerous. That's really bad. It skews reality and the truth. God almighty. Anywho, next. Uh, I read on, I read on from her um, article. Our opposition of trans activism and view that trans activism is misogynistic is not based on hate, but on a long history of feminist analysis and a commitment to ensuring women's sex-based rights. She goes on to write, despite my efforts to keep politics out of the bar, because okay, so this lady's a singer and she, uh, you know, would sing in bars and venues and whatnot. So I can continue. In February 2017, Joe Lambert, the booking agent for the bar, canceled my show due to me holding the, quote, trans activism is misogyny sign at the Women's Is March. In an email, he wrote, quote, we have been getting many complaints of your political views, including multiple reports of your loud talking off mic in the corner of the bar, end quote. I'm going to butt in there and say, what the fuck? Since when does someone's political view mean like you're not allowed here uh continuing i had been going to the crystal as a regular customer for years making friends with other regulars like wheat networking and talking about many things including all of the hullabaloo over me and interviewing feminists on the community radio station as i had implicitly agreed to not bring politics to my shows those conversations were always off the mic hello yeah exactly there was a Facebook group uh, created called, quote, No Platform for Transphobia, Protect Thistle and Thorn. So this is what the, it's, she took a, a screenshot of that group. And it says, what the group stands for says, Stand with the Madison, Madison Degenerates and the Madison's queer and trans community to protest the Crystal Corner Bars' decision to continue to offer a platform to folk musician and trans-exclusionary radical feminist, they quoted, uh, radical, you know, air-quoted radical feminist there, 
Thistle Peterson. Thistle Peterson is the female uh, folk singer's name. I should have clarified that. I apologize. Let me continue. Thistle promotes fear and hatred of transgender people, especially trans women, and has personally targeted trans people in our local community for campaigns of online bullying, harassment, and intimidation. Fucking lies, by the way. This is a very clearly a male who created this face, uh, Facebook group to rally against um, Thistle. And by the way, this is extremely common with tr trans-identifying males, i.e. transgender females, to be extremely vicious, disgusting, and literally corral TRAs and, uh, I guess, gullible and lost people into, you know, because look at what they wrote. It sounds like, it sounds like this is a real threat. You know, look at the words they use. Classically, they use the word of fear, hatred, uh, bullying, harassment, which is hilarious because what this person was doing, the person's name is Christine Elaine. It's a dude being a female. Uh, at, least I, at least I believe it is. I, I'm learning to see by these photos of these uh, transgender folks or TRAs, trans right activists. I'm, I can tell if it's a male or a female. Um, I forgot I was going there. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's just hilarious. It's like bullying and harassment. The fact that you're creating a fucking group to like dethrone or take someone out of a setting like this is bullying and harassment. Anyway, let me go on. Uh, activist Bill Anderson, a former keyboardist in my band Thistle and Thorns. This is like so heartbreaking, by the way. That's me saying that. Publicly bragged that he and his posse, quote, successfully deplatformed a local turf. Relentless persecution and smear campaigns by trans activists was just relentless. That's the, t the title of the next uh, segment in this article. These harassers and bullies not only targeted my music career, but my environmental organizing and activism. Like I mentioned earlier, I co-founded and worked for five years with Madison Action for Mining Alternatives, MAMA. In February 2017, the Wisconsin Network for Peace, Justice, and Sustainability, an umbrella organization for hundreds of Wisconsin-based social justice, anti-war, and environmentalist organizations, including MAMA, released a statement accusing me of, quote, targeting trans people and promoting, quote, hatred of trans people. They offered no evidence to, to support these claims. Dozens of Madison community members piled on with defamatory comments, accusing me of being no different than a white nationalist and saying my actions are inherently violent and are hurting trans people. Again, this is Thistle writing this. I continue. Local activists bombarded the organizing committee of the very successful Pipeline Fighters' ben uh, Benefit Extravaganza, which I spent months organizing in 2016 to 2017, to prevent my band and a song of mine from being featured that day. They demanded I step down as a performer and threatened to condemn the associated environmental organizations as supporters of transphobia if I failed to do so. The committee buckled, and I, vo quote, voluntarily stepped down from singing at the show. This single-hour-long program aired in March 2018. Oh, this was um, an interview that she did that's actually available on SoundCloud, and uh, I've listened to 13 minutes of it, and I hear no hate uh, at all. None. Let me just say that right now. Um, a single-hour-long single program aired in March 2018 uh, resulted in more defamation, slander, and libel against me than any before. The WORT board of directors released a formal written apology to the transgender community for airing my show. So I also forgot to mention that she used to work on a um, radio show at the W. I continue 
at the oh, she continues good lord at the WORT public board of directors meeting in March 2018 Emily Mills journalist with Our Lives magazine Dylan Brogan of the Isthmus magazine and Nathan McQuillan paid staff at WORT 89.9 FM in addition to others spoke despairingly of my character calling me less than honest harmful and a turf I want you to listen to this interview um that she's speaking about and tell me what you think if you think it's less than honest or turfy I was not informed that the meeting was taking place and was unaware of this defamation at the time Mills followed up her statements at the WORT board meeting with a libel libel it's basically the word libel O-U-S libelous libelous Mm, sounds so weird with a libelous piece that was circulated that was circulated in print and online for two months, accusing me of promoting anti-transgender and anti-sex worker bigotry and claiming I have a studied history of lashing out at the transgender community in Madison. I refused to apologize or to legitimize the claims that I or the women I interviewed were harmful and lashing out. And these community members continued to smear and blackmail me, black, excuse me, blackball me, basically blackmail, but anyways, uh, and others joined in the dog pile. Ah, jeez. A regular monthly show with my band at Common Ground was suddenly canceled after the owner received an onslaught of slanderous email. And letting me go, the owner noted that, quote, because our whole mission is to be as inclusive and welcoming as we can, I don't think it will be a good fit, dot, dot, dot. How ironic. Continuing, after receiving bullying complaints about me for months, I was banned from playing at the open mic at Boss Meadery. Colleen Boss, the bars' owner, told me in an August 2018 private message, quote, We disagree about trans women, but that doesn't matter. Our stage is about welcoming people to the healing power of music, and that requires everyone to respond rationally when confronted with someone they don't like. People have asked us to ban you for your outside views. Oh, God. According to one employee, the bar had been receiving complaints for months that, I, quote, I hate transgender people. So I definitely just wanted to read that article that Thistle wrote about her nonstop abuse and harassment she got of, I mean, I read it all, being deplatformed and um, fire taken out of positions for a sign. I forgot it was. It was based, oh yeah, the sign said trans activism is misogyny. Which it is. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you think this is a show that's worth supporting, then the best way to do that is to make a donation, even something as little as $3 a month. Your donations help me to keep growing so I can keep providing you with funny and ambitious content. All you need to do is go to lindsayplatotionart.com, click into the Distorted Lens podcast link on the top of my website, and click the donate button for a direct PayPal donation, or become a patron on my Patreon. That link is also on that page. Now, back to the show. All right, so this is a... Twitter thread I actually came across today said you're not you're not mature enough to handle transparency if your automatic reaction is to demonize people for their honesty I loved that someone else replied to that and said it means that one is emotionally underdeveloped such people are attracted to authoritarian movements since they receive affirmation that they would not receive elsewhere I was like yes oh my god yes Next one, those who demonize other 
fellows of their honesty are inwardly dishonest in themselves and are always clouded with pessimism. They never see good in people. Next quote is a quote from Nietzsche. Madness is something rare in individuals, but in groups, parties, peoples, and ages, it is the rule. I think I made a note about that. Um, and if I didn't, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Uh, no, I know I did. God, I still, I'll still say it now. Um, I believe that a lot, you know, these transgender people, whether activists or actually portraying and being, quote, transgender, are severely mentally ill. Um, God. So they're just, they're, they're, they're surrounded by this cloud of, Actually, you know, fuck it, because I know I wrote a better uh, summarization of what I'm saying right now. I'm going to say it later, <laughs> not to confuse you. Um, yeah, there's some more that uh, I believe I read from Twitter. Uh, and normally I wouldn't pull quotes from Twitter, but these really resonated with me because I know Twitter is used to be for me a cesspool until I left the gaming industry. Um, because that industry is dog shit, let me tell you, extremely male driven and it's just very superficial content creator-y Twitch stuff. It's just, uh, you know, I really tried to do that in my life. And I just think it's awesome that I'm getting love and support now in what I'm doing now with this podcast and uh, my Patreon stuff and, you know, Twitter. It just kind of shows, it, it feels incredible to me that I have some real support about real life stuff versus, you know, the having followers on Twitch or all that, you know, superficial crap. It's just, it's, oh gosh, I hope I'm explaining this well. But the way to life is not through superficial shit. If you're just honest with yourself and you speak truth, I find that goodness will come to you. I, I, it's the, that's the best way to kind of summarize what I'm thinking here. You know, back when I was a content creator, I was, you know, our goal as a content creator is to get more followers. Um, but it's like, what's the fucking point if your followers, like, you don't even know them. Um, half of them are following you because you're a girl that dances for free on Twitch. Um, it's just, it's so superficial. It's not anything that's, uh, anyways, I'm just so glad to get out of that industry I feel so alive now and doing what I want to do not not doing what I um so I don't regret doing all the just dance stuff but um well I don't because um and I do and I don't I don't because I totally honed in on my sewing skills and I learned a lot and um it showed me how good I was at sewing and how I can just make uh, a costume that looks like you know it's basically replicating a costume from the video game I fucking nailed it. My shit was always immaculate. I can honestly say that. Uh, people thought that I worked for Ubisoft all the time. Um, people still do, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cause that's, because my work showed through. Anywho, I digress. Let's see. So these are some personal thoughts that I wrote down. Um, you know, I grew up in a family where I didn't feel like I belonged or I didn't fit in. And that made me bitter and I was alone, closed off. Um, and was convinced that like no one understood me. Um, so here's what I, here's what I wanted to say earlier. If your mind is in that frame set, you don't trust your surroundings and the genuine state of anything. You know, you don't believe anything's genuine. And I know that's kind of where my skeptic side comes from now, but I have a much more healthy understanding of humans and life. So I, obviously, cause I'm not, 
living with my online community and my eating disorder and whatnot. Because back then, when, during my eating disorder, I didn't have any real life friends, like none. And I found a online uh, like forum eating disorder community that became like my little family. Uh, it was like secretive. It's not there anymore. So good luck finding whatever. I know that that pro anus shit still exists tenfold. But I this is why I totally understand what this movement is because a lot of the the kids that are transgendering or you know whatever jumping into the ship of that is I, I I see exact similarities of what I went through I didn't have any friends I shut the I shut myself off from the world I didn't feel like I, I belonged um so yeah I saw life through that mindset of sadness um you know I'm so alone I'm the victim um fuck everyone blah 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 I was like, why Why would you give me these cards, life? I don't deserve this. Screw everyone. You know, that stuff just festers and you get bitter and you, you just, when you, when that kind of depression really sets its place inside a person, it doesn't stay stagnant. It gets worse. It just keeps going. I can say that. I've lived through that. Um... Yeah, if so if you are truly seeing life through your very in that moment real hurt lens, I want to say that, that that feeling hurt and sad and alone, those are real feelings then for me and for these children now. Um, anyway, so if you see life through that, um, then you would absolutely claim that anyone who doesn't follow suit with the ideology that hooked you in is the enemy, the one to not trust. So that's why I, I, you know, I see all this anger and bitter and actual hatred uh, vicious stuff coming from children. Um, because I'm like, dude, I was, I, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know how to convince children. I'm not a mother. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um, cults and authoritarian movements prey upon the broken souls. Um, broken humans are the easiest to manipulate and mold. All they have to do is glue you back together with their, what looks to be on the surface level in front of your eyes, good, equal, peaceful movement or agenda. But that glue is evil. It, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. The devil lives with lying and it's all demonic, number one. Um, yeah, anything that threatens what they believe to be reality is a real threat to them. That's why uh, I see massive, you're a transphobe, turf, you know, you're, you know, they they are seeing me and my beliefs which is reality and uh, logic as a threat to their, you know, what they think is their identity and existence um, or their, you know, fam. So these activists really do think that the biological, realistic, binary-based timeline we live in and have lived in is a legitimate threat. Hate and violence, etc. There was a Rick and Morty episode my husband and I were watching and uh, Rick and Morty have to use a random, like, cat person's, you know, it's like a random universe where it looks like cat people. But they had to use uh, some random cat person's lighthouse to set up a beacon to get back to their own planet or timeline, whatever. Um, but in exchange to using that cat person's lighthouse, Morty, the younger character, had to sit and listen to this cat human tell their tale, which is a screenplay that is really boring. Uh, bear with me here. I promise you it makes sense. The cat author or lighthouse owner asked Morty when he's done telling his tale and his screenplay, like what he, what he thinks of the screenplay. And Morty tells him, he's like, well, I mean, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, lying to him because it was horrendous. And the author cat thing 
whatever says, no, really, I, I want to hear so I can improve. You can tell me. So Morty gives him like one sliver of honesty and the author is like, get out, get the hell out. So Morty just gets like pissed and is like, no. And he said something that I was like, oh my God, pause. Morty said to the cat thing that freaked out. He said, just because you hate your own writing doesn't make me a bad person. I was like, oh my God, that's huge. Um, so I'm, I'm relating that to the gender dysphoric teens here and teens in general. They live in this extreme discomfort, um, which by the way is real to their experience. But just because someone is seeing life through an angry, bitter lens does not make that experience not true as well. That experience is being lived and that's their current reality. When society, social media, and cartoons, which, by the way, is an entire kid's life, like, social media and all that shit is, that's what teens do. When, when, when what the teens live in make them question what is normal and what they are born in, that already is a scary moment for anyone, especially a teen or a child. Um, to be questioned something so basic as, uh, you know, what body, what body you're born in, what they are feeling... When you are still growing up and the world is still new and your body, mind, and soul is being, it's still growing into its adult form, you know, now they have to add on to that, um, that they now have this, like, it, it typically can form into a hatred of their own body. So they live in hate. Uh, they feel anything that opposes their belief system is hate. Um, you know, just imagine being a, a teen and having these, you know, cartoons or, Tumblr or social media, and I really believe this to be a huge premise in younger generation kids' culture where you're supposed to, like, question your, what your body is and, like, what your sex and gender and all this shit. It's just, like, what, that, that, that's so unnecessary. Um, yeah. It's just a guaranteed trap, honestly. I've heard um, quite a few of these transgender stories or detrans stories. Um, one of them was uh, a trans identifying female, so a transgender male, so a female trying to become a man. Um, this quote was huge. She said that she, you know, she didn't have a good father growing up, and she, in a way, became transgender because she wanted to be a better father than her dad ever was to her. I was like, holy shit, what an angle. How, how huge is that? It was huge to me when I heard it. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Holy crap. And then this one, holy crap. Another one was, I had a crush on my aunt, so I became her, basically. Um, so I'm going to read from a website that is uh, www.transwidowvoices.org. These stories are contributed by women who have sought support and who are now being given the opportunity to share their stories. Uh, the stories are anonymous as contributors fear reprisals from former partners and their allies. <sighs> I contemplated reading this whole story because uh, it's not too long. It's nine minutes, but um, I, you know, I broke it up into some segments, but I feel like reading the whole thing is honestly really important. So um, in my notes, I wrote, if you have the energy, read the whole story. But if you don't, just, you know, go to my notes where I did make these um, kind of bullet points. So I, I'm going to read it because uh, why not? You're here listening. This is called Philomena's Story, There and Back Again. Again, these are from real people. Uh, and I'm starting. I have always found writing therapeutic. 
I know I am healing when I can focus enough to have a good scribble about something. If I pile enough words in just the right places, I can hide the painful bits enough to trick my brain into scooting right on past them. I know I'm where I need to be, or I can find the humor in a situation and make it into an amusing anecdote. But some things just aren't amusing no matter how you try. This is a story about a man dressed in fishnets, PVC miniskirt and stilettos, forcing his exhausted wife, forward slash hostage, to participate in violent, porn-inspired sex games every night after she gets her three children to bed. I know that's pretty heavy, I just had to blurt it out in one go. I tried dithering about it and hiding it in other stories, but I'm finished covering it up. Give me a moment. <clears throat> I continue with reading her story. When I met my husband, I was smitten by his charming accent, in intense blue eyes, and wild long hair. I didn't particularly like his heavy metal style or the men who sported it, but he was different. That accent, those eyes. I was 24. I had a confused but robust libido. It made me do really dumb shit. Anyway, I thought nothing more of the hair until he flounced past me in a miniskirt and pigtails shortly after we moved in together. I was shocked, but I was also in love. We opened up that night. I told him of the sexual abuse I experienced as a child, my bisexuality, my general wariness of men, and he told me about his cross-dressing habit, rooted in his own troubled childhood. He said when he was about six years old, he ran away from home. He eventually came upon his auntie's house. He was captivated by the sight of her underthings on the washing line. He had a bit of a crush on his auntie, he told me. She was young and very pretty. He decided to put on her clothes to see what they felt like. Her knickers and skirt over his short, over his short trousers, her bra and frilly top over his jumper. He never made it to the main road where he intended to hitch a lift. Instead, he fell asleep next to a haystack where, he, where his frantic grandparents found him a few hours later still dressed in his auntie's clothes. He said he'd never been happier than when he was in those clothes. He told me that's why he often wore women's clothes, to relax and to feel better when he struggled with depression. He later used the things I shared with him that night to coerce and abuse me. By the way, I should have said uh, content and trigger warning. Um, uh, I apologize. So if you have any sort of abuse or, um, you know, you're going to be triggered by this horrific story, then I definitely recommend uh, either stop listening or fast forward, um, like maybe 10 minutes. Um, I continue. He insisted I should have no objection to having sex with him dressed as a woman, as a woman because I was bisexual. This did not jibe at all with what I found attractive. But when I tried to object, he said I was being a hypocrite and a snob. He accused me of trying to shame him when I gagged at the smell of silicone toys mixed with alkyl nitrate fumes and bodily fluids and said I needed to get off my high horse that just because I was born in a female body did not mean I was a better woman than him. Weren't we both damaged women? If I really loved him, why would I cause him more pain? I forced myself to override my feelings to prioritize his. I loved him, and he was very nice and so cuddly after I did what he wanted. I confused his grooming with love. We married after I became pregnant with my first child. He stopped pestering me as much for unwanted sexual things because he no longer found me attractive. He didn't like me. F he didn't like fat, he said. When I did refuse his advances, he would say I had no right being snotty about his appearance, the state I was in. I was resigned to all things sexual being confusing and horrid at that point. The hopes of dealing, I'm sorry, the hopes of healing the abuse from childhood and blossoming into a healthy, happy being was gone, along with most of my self-esteem. My default 
mode again became uh, became pretend it was happening to someone else. Make the best of things and carry on. Uh, we plugged along peacefully along this uh, enough that this way. Excuse me, jeez. And I had two more children during the next six years. He did not help at all with the kids, but he did not interfere with the with my slightly off beaten path of parenting. Did I read that correctly? He did not help at all with the kids, but he did not interfere. Okay. Um, I, she doesn't really go into what that she meant there. But anyways, I, I continue reading her story. I took his passive disdain for support and thought it was balance enough. Looking back, I was so very lonely and exhausted. I've often, I've often longed to retroactively shake some sense into the sad stupor of that young uh, mother. Christ, I'm getting ahead of myself here. After my third child, he sank into a deep depression and was in bed for months. He began to dress as a woman almost every evening, or I should say, what he considered to be a woman. It was not my idea of womanhood. In fact, his version offended me. It was degrading and violent. He clearly thought being a woman meant wanting to be raped and tortured. I told him wearing strap-ons was very sore on my C-section scar. My, quote, turn being tied up frightened and hurt, frightened and hurt me. I expressed my preference for gentle, nurturing sex. He told me complaining was very manipulative and selfish and that I was trying to stifle his womanhood. He said I couldn't handle him being a woman because I was jealous, that it wasn't his fault and he wasn't fat and I was, that I was barely a woman at all, but more like a wizened balloon. I tried to avoid it all. I tried to avoid it all after that and focus on the children. When we were married... Ten, uh, ten, when we were married 10 years, we moved our family to Ireland back to his childhood village, a move I had always dreamed of. He said it would be great for the kids and help pull him out of the years of depression. He'd been so homesick, he said. He would have the adventure I'd always wanted and finally be happy a family. I was hooked by the idea of leaving the bad memories behind and starting fresh. I put the hundred or so red flags on my mind and walked right into it. Not long after we arrived, my husband began to wear his woman costume every night. He told me I was the only person he trusted to see him as his true self. He told me to call him by his female name. He started talking to me in his female voice all day. I was afraid the kids would hear and be confused, especially because he often took on a pleading, begging tone, but he seemed to be totally unaware of their presence. He'd be on his laptop all day, looking for inspiration for what he'd make me do that night, and I'd spend all day dreading it. He stopped buying fuel to heat the house, and I had to dress the kids in three layers and put them all to sleep in one bed so they couldn't, so they could keep each other warm. I read to them for hours every night, and they seemed happy and oblivious. Those times with my babies were sweet, even with the sickening knowledge that he'd be out there waiting for no matter how long I stayed after the kids dropped up, drifted off. No matter how long I held my bursting bladder before giving up and going out to use the bathroom, he'd be out there ready to pounce. I knew no one. I had no money of my own. I couldn't drive, nor I safely, nor could I safely walk anywhere with the kids. He was the only adult I saw unless his burly, burly bully of a brother stopped and uh, or one of his childhood friends came by for a chat. The roaring misogyny of his brother frightened the hell out of me. He kept reminding me how I was now a how I was now on quote their territory with a decidedly menacing relish. One day when they were having tea and the sugar bowl was empty, the brother growled at my husband and said, you'd better get a stick for that woman. And my husband stared right into my eyes and slowly slowly nodded and then joined his brother in uproarious laughter. I went into the bathroom and vomited. I was completely trapped and ashamedly responsible for landing myself in such a horrible situation. The enormity of it paralyzed me. He began calling me mistress all the time instead of my name. He liked to play a shackled, subservient woman begging 
woman begging to be beaten and raped and forced me to act as the sinister dominatrix, then insist we switch roles for his final thrill. I was losing my will and completely withdrawing into myself. I felt like I was disappearing altogether. I was exhausted and sore and suicidal. I began drinking heavily in the evenings to numb myself. I remember one night shaking and sobbing, snot and drool running down my face, telling him that he was snuffing out the tiny flame that was left of me, so to please stop, he was killing me and the kids needed me. He responded in what he thought was a submissive female voice, kittenizing his baritone. Yes, mistress, is that an order? And then proceeded to ignore me and the needs of our children for days until I became so desperate that I engaged again by speaking to him in that stern taskmaster voice he insisted I use. I hated myself for stepping back into it, for going around and around again. On my 40th birthday, my sister-in-law insisted they take me out to a local pub. He tried to stop her, but she got his friends involved. She got his friends involved, and it would look too cons- conspicuous if he didn't allow them to throw me a little party. I paid for it dearly for weeks after, but it was there I met my first friend in the, in the new country. She saw I was a haggard-looking woman sitting with a group but somehow alone, and she came and sat by me and said, I see a real sadness in you. Are you okay? I said I was okay, just tired. She gave me her number and told me to ring her sometime that we could meet for a cuppa. I was afraid to ring at first, but then I did, and she came to see me at, my, at the house, much to my husband's fury. After a few visits, she told me the way my husband treated me was unacceptable, and the kids and I did not have to live like that. She said I could get out, and she would help me. She did not know about the sexual torture. She just saw the signs of domestic abuse. That woman saved my life. When I told my husband I was leaving, he said he was going to kill himself. He said I was punishing him for his depression that was caused by the pain of not being able to live as a woman. He said I thought I was better than him, that I was a cruel snob, that I was being coached by, quote, lesbian feminist bitches and destroying our family and hurting our kids. For years after I got out, he kept trying to control me through threats of suicide. He said he could not live as his true self except with me. When that didn't work, he recruited his brother who gleefully threatened and intimidated me daily for two years. I had escaped the sexual abuse, but I was still desperate and bedraggled with three children now, four, eight, and eleven. I did the best I could to uh, build a happy new life for me and the kids. I struggled with alcohol abuse, but I thought my kids were generally thriving. My younger two seemed like happy toddlers. My oldest acted out a bit, but that but was easily enough distracted. I don't know what, if anything, he took in of my husband's sexual proclivities or his abuse. I still don't. What I do know, though, is that he has his own struggles with his gender identity, which have made our relationship difficult. Uh, three, a little bit, uh, three more paragraphs here. I continue. It's been about nine years since I got away from my now ex-husband with the help of a few good friends in a domestic violence service. I can breathe in full, deep breaths most of the time instead of a shallow, jagged ones. I've been able to mostly wrangle my alcohol use into something fun and social. I have a nice life with my two younger children. I have a partner who is respectful and kind. I can enjoy sex. I'm thinking of writing an amusing memoir about adjusting to life in a new country. The sexual abuse part of the story won't be in it. My ex now lives in the Philippines where he, quote, rescued an impoverished woman less than half his age to be his grateful maid and sex slave. He and his brother coerced me into signing for a no-fault divorce and kept everything. He does not support his children, financially or otherwise. I do not know if he lives as a woman, a man, or as his true self, an abusive, deeply misogynistic, homophobic autogonophile. What I endured at the hands of my husband almost killed me. I know there are many women out there experiencing the same kind of abuse, maybe not to the level I did, but on a level that is harming them and often their children. Their stories need to be heard. 
a supposedly well-intentioned society insists that men are now women simply because they say they are. Men like my husband. These men are lauded as stunning and brave. Women injured by these same celebrated men are shamed, silenced, and further abused. I and my children are not fodder for men's fetishy whims or the virtue signaling of their enablers. I will continue to tell my story and all its ugly truth. I hope others will tell theirs. So that story, I've read another one. There's quite a few. Like, it was so, it kind of, it rocked me to my core. You know, there are moments throughout this where, you know, my research and being involved uh, in Twitter um, with other feminist women that I, uh, and also just hearing my, I guess now ex-best friends speak, I don't know, um, is really wearing down on me. Um, and I've spoken to my mom about this and other people. And I, I, I definitely am taking time to step away from it and focus on my mental health because I can't be immersed in this um, all day like I have been because I truly, truly have been um, because it's it's an incredible sense of defeat. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to give up, but, you know, I do believe this is the calm before the storm. You know, all this shit that's coming out about men gaining access to females prisons and female spaces um, is really just not even the, 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 the worst of this to come. That's what I believe. Um, you know, even knowing that it doesn't really make things feel better. Um, it's not easy, you know, being on the truthful side of this is not even remotely easy. Um, it's, you have to be a strong individual. Um, but I, I encourage you to be strong because it's important that we have allies with this and truth speakers, because the more, you know, you kind of just sit complacent in it. Uh, it's only going to encourage um, these horrific evil agendas to wash over. And that will also, let me tell you, affect your life. I know that you as a listener probably think that this is not going to affect your life personally, but I guarantee you it will. Even as a straight white male. Even as a, as a straight male. I promise you it's going to affect you. Okay, so let me um, skip past all that because... Uh, da, 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 da. Um, so I looked up some information about uh, autogynephilia and transvestic fetishism. This is from a manual published by the American Psychiatric Association that includes almost all currently re uh, recognized mental health disorders. Participation in transvestitism is usually gradual. Over time, the sufferer begins to assume the identity of a member of the opposite sex based on his or her perceptions of that sex. Um, which I'm just going to say the, the numbers and... The likelihood of it being a male uh, transvestite is huge, you know. The, the numbers of females um, being autogynophiles is, like, non-existent. I know that it, ex it exists. I'm not going to deny that. But the number is so small that, uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, all this trans right stuff, you, do you notice that it's the, man, the men attempting to be females? Like, you don't hear shit about females wanting to be men in the news or, you know— uh, that's that's all I want to say. Like, just notice that right there. You know, um, people aren't talking about uh, trans-identifying females here, or you know, i.e., transgender males. I just don't see that. Um, anywho, let me go on here to this uh, actual manual. Excuse me. By the way, also it's called transvestic fetishism three hundred two point three. Transvestic behavior in patients is closely associated with achieving some sort of sexual sexual gratification. 
a person that practices transvestic fetishism often finds it difficult to distinguish from the opposite gender. They have they have often adopted many qualities specific to that gender. Example is mannerisms, clothing, materials, and other items associated with the opposite gender. Notice I said gender, not sex. In extreme cases, some individuals undergo hormonal or surgical procedures to change their appearance to that of the opposite sex, which is gender reassignment surgery. So I just wanted to um, kind of, you know, say that after that story I read because autogynephilia is like one of those terms that people just don't want to talk about, um, even though it's, it is a huge part of this transgender movement. Huge. It's just like, it's like almost like forbidden to talk about for some reason. I, I, I don't know. It's just, wow. The more you read into this, the more you realize, a damn, I think honestly, a lot, more than half is uh, autogonophilia, autogonophiles, 100%. Um, yeah, anyhow. So a common theme with trans right activists is, sh quote, shut the fuck up. Um, so these are my little points here. When you shut down conversations, you cease the possibility of a new channel of empathy being born because you're not having a conversation at all. The potential for empathy to grow is null and voided, thrown out just completely thrown out. When you talk to people, have a debate, or just listen with respect, keyword here, respect, you actually hear their side and you might actually grow a new branch of sympathy or empathy on something you never would have imagined you would you'd be sympathetic for because you're finally listening and respecting the other person. I'm not saying this would be a guarantee that someone would finally be like, oh, you know, empathize with you. But when, we, when you silence voices, you'll never know. The biggest mistake in this movement is that they shut down this opportunity from happening, which is actually sabotaging their own idea, which is acceptance or equality. How can anyone honestly listen to someone who is spewing actual vicious hatred for someone having an opinion? Like, how can you listen to their side of things when they're coming at you, like name calling and whatnot? It's just like they're shooting themselves in the foot with all this. Truly, I can say that. The most common running theme is calling someone transphobic. Immediately, it's, it, immediately it accuses someone of, dis, of disliking or being prejudiced against transsexual people. So me, Lindsay, I stand clear here now. Uh, what I dislike is their silencing of women's voices, their name calling, their erasure of lesbians and women, the word woman, um, their attitudes that transgender rights are more important than women's rights, medically intervening with the na natural biological steps a human takes to become an adult human, and so on. So yes, I do dislike those things. But I do not dislike or ignore that these people are hurting. They are mentally shutting themselves off, becoming bitter, hateful, confused, and scared. I empathize greatly with them. I was that person. Transgender humans do deserve protection, as do females. To protect trans-identifying males by putting them in with biological females is not the answer. Women are not men's shields, protectors, mothers or sisters. I'm talking about, um, I'm not talking about their actual mothers or sisters, by the way. I mean, like, women that they don't know. Uh, me and some other dude uh, trying to be a female. Um, I can have empathy for them completely, but we cannot allow the doors to be flung open on female protected spaces to anyone who claims they are a, quote, woman by doing nothing more than claiming I'm a woman. Why? Why aren't they campaigning to create transgender spaces for themselves? Why are women's spaces the first to be opened up legally to trans identifying males? Why do we have any business on what males want to identify as? 
um, you know, this whole, like, they, 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 um, you know, get a lot of bullying or, like, uh, abuse and whatnot, and, like, I'm not saying that doesn't exist, um, but, like, why do they think by encroaching on women's rights that that's the answer? This makes no fucking sense to me, and it makes me livid. I'm like, y'all can campaign to have your own spaces. Like, how does that not make total sense? Why is the first agenda, the first thing on their radar is let's attack and get our rights as males that think we're women to, we want to be in their spaces. Like, I think that's seriously messed up. Like, why, 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 why? If you're triggered or bothered by someone presenting an opinion that is wildly different from yours, you don't shut it down nor walk away. You sit and feel those feelings. To ignore and push down feelings is quite possibly the world's worst advice ever for feeling bad feelings. Yes, it hurts to hear hurtful things. Deal with it. You learn so many things from situations like that. You learn, wow, I would never say something like that. Or I am proud that I would never do that to another human. Uh, or I would never use those words. That was really hurtful to me. So I cannot imagine using it on someone else. Um, you know, if you hear something that you don't like. Um, you know, dealing with conflict, I think, is totally necessary. It helps you grow. Um, even if you do say something mean to someone else, intentional or not, you always deal with the consequences. You know, you learn, even if, you know, if, if it's not hatred from someone else and you, someone spews hate to someone else, you, you're, you'll deal with the consequences. So... I'm not advocating for hate or violence, even remotely, but I think feeling uncomfortable things, uh, and I don't mean uncomfortable as in a male in a fucking female space, by the way, don't twist what I'm fucking saying. I'm talking about like having a conversation about biology and how there's only two sexes. Um, you know, like why is that something that needs to be shut down? It doesn't exist. Or, you know, they classically say it's hate speech. I wish I was kidding. There's so many women that are banned from Twitter for literally talking on biological terms and not in harmful, rude ways at all. Because I've seen the screenshots they've been uh, banned for. It's never like, you suck or... It's never, 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 never. Um, let's see here. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, the whole uh, shutting down conversations from happening is completely bypassing, dealing with consequences of either yours or someone else's actions. And you'd be missing out on such a vital part of what it is to be a human. Um, of the friends I've lost, not once did they address, like, the articles I shared about. One of them was a um, dad, like, raped in his own child and went to prison and then got taxpayers' money to become a woman and then was, was granted access to all-female prison. I shared that article, but anyway, um, I have found that the Wokians or people that follow with the uh, trans agenda won't question the agenda at hand, uh, but they attack who I am, me, Lindsay, and not the real issue at hand here. They insist on talking about my behavior, which, by the way, why the hell is sticking up for women's rights a bad thing? And also just me mentioning that there, that autogonophilia is real and pedophilia within the transgender movement is real. I'm not saying that all of them are autogonophiles or that all of them are pedophiles. So, because this is what happened on my Facebook is that uh, now ex-friends like bombarded me with like, wow, not all transgender people are pedophiles. I'm like, first of all, if you look at my fucking post, I never once said that all transgender people are pedophiles. All I said in the post was, uh, actually, let me pull it up. Because I want to make sure I say this. Doop, doop, doop. Give me a moment here. 
getting closer, closer. There it is. Um, yeah, I may have already covered this, but oh well. Um, uh, the post says, realize in question, what is, what is it you're supporting? Men pretending to be women so they can insert themselves into women's spaces? Is this what you desire? That's literally all I said. And that was the article from, it says, you know, a uh, father raped on a child will receive taxpayer funding for gender transition and move to women's prison. And I got a lashing for that. I was like, that's the fucking hill you guys will die on? Mother of, dear God. That speaks volumes to me. So I'm like, well, then you clearly support a father raping his own child and, I just can't like that was like what the fuck you know I have these moments where I have mo I think I have multiple peak trans moments honestly that was like what yeah anyway so uh yeah so I've noticed that people that come at me never provide any evidence and I'm not exaggerating that they'll be like this is bad you're going down a wrong path um and but they never provide me any reasoning with their uh their stance or their their idea of this I'm like okay can you let me know why I'm wrong? They don't say shit. It's crickets. Oh, God. They always classically name call or do this mental game that tries and makes me feel bad and guilt trip me for being a pro-science, biology, realistic human being. Um, I want you to also be very aware of this, is that you can spot this fuckery because they try to make, they try, they try to guilt trip you into following their fucking cult. And I'm not having it. Like, good riddance. Good riddance. Like, I'm sorry. What I mean by I'm sorry is I'm not fucking sorry. Popcorn moment, which is basically food for thought. Uh, quote, not allowing people to go through their pain and protecting them from it may turn out to be a kind of overprotection, which in turn implies a certain lack of respect for the integrity and the intri intrinsic nature and the de future development of the individual. That was from uh, Abraham H. Maslow. I'm going to read it again because I stumbled over that. Not allowing people to go through their pain and protecting them from it may turn out to be a kind of overprotection, which in turn implies a certain lack of respect for the integrity and the intrinsic nature and the future development of the individual. Yeah. You know, I want discussions with actual evidence, you know, statistics, percentages, journals, studies, science. I want discussions, but if you're not going to provide any like evidence besides a one story from like 2011 where two women attacked a uh trans identifying male in a woman's bathroom what's funny is that there's a video of fucking abc covering it and they failed to mention that uh apparently from that story the trans identifying male hit on one of the girlfriend's boyfriends like and by the way i'm not advocating for violence i don't think it's correct at all um Hashtag, that's McDonald's for you. But, you know, they always classically pull up that, like, one circumstance or situation where um, a transgender person was attacked or killed. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's okay, even remotely. That's not fucking okay at all. But just pay attention to, like, what evidence these people provide. That's all I'm asking. There's another quote. When I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. That's from Audra Lord. Um, yeah, some more notes to think about. Are we to believe this medical industry and sex erasure is suddenly a seriously big deal? Why was there no gradual incline from this happening? At least from my stance, I I think this stuff started like in 2011. But, um, like, yeah, um, why mess with something if, if there's nothing wrong with it? In a sense, 
they framed all of this in an extremely clever way to make you think that this is a huge deal. You'll often find the name calling and these words being used, violence, hate, hatred, and X amount of people die every day, or you thinking that causes people to die. Like, I'm like, what? How, how, what? It's almost, uh, oh, I forgot the term for that. Um, I don't remember. Anyways. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why is it our job to protect them when our rights are being protected by no one? Yeah, because someone feels womanly, their rights rise above biological females. How does this make sense? Uh, it's unfortunate because the, there are women that obviously that back up the transgender movement because women are naturally, usually empathetic and sympathetic. And they're like, oh no, people are being... <laughs> they just follow suit with these like stories they tell. Oh, people, violence every day and, and they never back up any evidence. It's always like stories and feelings being told. Um, let's see... Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. The nicer, more tolerant, and more charitable a community is, supposing it lacks the capacity to spot these counterfeits early on, the more susceptible its members will tend to be to these manipulations. Uh, James Lindsay wrote that. So, yeah, I think that's I am done for now. Um, thank you for listening. I apologize if it was kind of all over the place. Um, uh, I almost thought about taking this week off from the podcast because um, I've been struggling mentally. And getting away from it and, um, you know, playing a video game, Zelda Breath of the Wild, great game, by the way, is great to just get away from it and not be so immersed in it um, because, it's it, you know, it's mentally affected me for sure. So much so that like, it, I kind of found it difficult to focus on topics here. Um, I'm not losing steam, but anywho, thank you for listening. Um, again, you can go to my website, Lindsay Platoshin, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, P-L-A-T-O-S-H-Y-N-A-R-T.com, lindsayplatoshinart.com. And you can find the Distorted Lens podcast links there for, um, you know, to head to my Patreon where you can become a patron where you uh, donate a small amount of money monthly if you so choose. Or you can um, directly... Uh, donate to my PayPal, which is also on my website. And to the people that are supporters and patrons already and have donated, thank you so much. I really value you guys and thank you for, you know, spending time with me and listening to what I have to say um, and caring, really. And yes, I will, I am, we are still working on getting this set up to where I can interview people because I, I do have people lined up and I can't wait to bring these people on my podcast. Um, don't forget to rate and review my podcast and Apple Podcasts. That, that makes a difference. Um, there's only one review right now, uh, written, and I appreciate you, by the way. Um, but if you can write to review, that'd be awesome and also rated. Anywho, tell a friend and also, yeah, share. Um, I hope you have a wonderful new year, a very safe one, and I hope you're safe, um, from everything and feeling loved and, yeah, good vibes, man. And woman. Namaste. question mark wow yeah it's good good job good job you liked it of course i did you didn't laugh at the scene in the bar i thought it was funny but i wanted to hear the rest do you have any thoughts notes no i i, I just enjoyed it that's my note you know
Please write more. Seems a little insincere. What? No. You don't have to mollycoddle me. I want to improve my writing. Tell me your real thoughts. All right. Well, um, I'm not a huge fan personally of the whole three weeks earlier teaser thing. I feel like, you know, we should start our stories where they begin, not start them where they get interested. Get out. Um, what? No, I'm sick of this. You bang on my door, you beg me to help you, I share something personal with you, and you take a giant shit on it. Hey, man, we asked if we could put up a beacon. Well, you can't. I want you out of here. You're a petty person, and you're insecure. And you're taking it out of me. That's a good script. What the hell? I don't care. I want you out. What? Take that thing down. Your grandson is a shitty person. Leave now. Morty. Rick, I didn't do anything. I sat through his entire screenplay. You sat through it? Yes. D did you want me to weep with joy? It's terrible. Whoa, Morty. We're guests here. I tried to be a good guest. He dragged it out of me. I'm taking down this beacon. No, stop. That's not fair. Just because you hate your own writing doesn't make me...